Today we're talking about fans of Galaga. and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G. I want to thank you for joining us uh, for another week here on Phanthropological. Thank you for everyone who's listening. Thank you everyone who's been uh, this nice tweets and all that. And uh, thank you for coming along for the ride. Today we are going to be talking about Galaga and the people who love it. And here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. I'm really looking forward to hearing about Buckner and Garcia's follow-up hit to Pac-Man Fever, Galaga Whooping Cough. <laughs> No, it's not a thing. Okay. And and Nick Z. Finally, I have another reason to hate intergalactic bees. <laughs> Is the other one Futurama? Maybe. I'd rather not get into it. Okay. All right. Suits me. <laughs> also joining us today, very special guest on the topic. I don't know how many people have said this about you, Michael, but he literally wrote the book on Galaga, <laughs> as well as several others. He's written Boss Fight Books Galaga. It's Michael Kimball. Thank you for joining us, Michael. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm glad that you're looking forward to it, Michael, because we're probably going to ask you a lot of questions. I'm hoping they're random questions I've never thought of or <laughs> answered before. That's my hope here. All right. Well, if, if G is going we'll to... try to DQ yeah. it as best we can. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, before DQing him out, let's <laughs> set a little bit of, of ground work. For anybody listening to this podcast and doesn't know what Galaga is, we're going to talk a little bit about what it is so you have some context. I don't know if that'll help, but we'll find out. Galaga is a Japanese arcade game developed and published by Namco Japan and Midway in North America in 1981. It is the sequel to 1979's Galaxian. The gameplay of Galaga puts the player in control of a spacecraft, which is situated at the bottom of a screen with aliens arriving in a formation and they're trying to destroy or collide with your spaceship and the player progresses through levels until the aliens are destroyed. The game has been re-released and sequeled multiple times with at least 20 different games existing in its release history, including tie-in versions for popular anime Space Dandy and fighting game series Tekken. Ooh. Uh, I don't know how those two crossovers happen, but like they look cool, so that's that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Galaga's in Super Smash Brothers, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's an assist trophy. Yeah, no. yeah, it does the thing where it captures your player and pulls it off the screen. Love that guy. <laughs> I can't remember what it is in Tekken, but it's some sort of interstitial thing like that, too. It's a between-level oh, stages like, kind of thing, yeah. Here's another little mini-game for you. Yeah, it's a mini. It was a mini in the game, right? Okay. Oh, fun. Huh. Yeah, it could have almost nothing to do with it, and then, yeah, you're back <laughs> to the game you were playing, so... Okay, interesting. One thing we try to do is we try to find out how many people are a fan of, of the thing. So we use whatever yardsticks we can kind of find. This week, there's a Galaga subreddit, which has about 140 subscribers. There's a general arcade subreddit, which has about 22,000 subscribers. There's a retro gaming subreddit, which has about 63,000 subscribers. Given that I'm not familiar with this fandom, I was like, okay, maybe Overclocked Remix, which makes a, a bunch of cool music. Has something, but there were only two remixes for Galaga. But then I found something that I wasn't expecting, and uh, there apparently was very recently this gigantic Galaga tournament. 
Yeah. At the end of April? <laughs> yeah. And mm. over 300,000 people watched that. What? Wow. <laughs> like, I don't know how many people were there, but like it was streamed on Twitch and over 300,000 mm-hmm. people were watching that. Cool. Yeah, I think it works out to about 10,000 people per player that were at that tournament. So there were only, wow. I think there were 12 wow. pros. And the amateur tournament was somewhere in the teens, too, if I remember right. So there weren't that many people playing. Like, I didn't even hear about it till I think it was a month before it was happening. So I just couldn't go or do it. But uh, I was I was fascinated to see what came out of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, somebody, somebody, you know, who hasn't been involved in any of those subreddits or any, you know, just nobody knew of one. And he um, dethroned the guy who has the world record currently. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. In the article that was talking about it, there was apparently some issue of contention. Like, they were competing head to head, and one of the people, like, got up because it looked like the other person was doing better than they were. And then the ref, like, says, like, okay, you conceded because you got up to leave. And Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I'll link to it in the show I, notes. I missed that bit. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded really neat because it's like... <laughs> got these two people i guess competing at arcade machines and that's like oh i can't win so i'm just gonna concede Hmm. well it was all head-to-head matchups and the final game i want to say the winner was five million something the loser was four million something wow in that finals matchup but in the consolation bracket for the third place spot i think the winner came in at three hundred forty thousand. Oh, which for people who played the game in the arcade, you know, who played it a lot and we're good at it, it's a very achievable yeah. score. I mean, I've done that hundreds of times. So, oh, wow. And he beat somebody, I think, who used to have one of the records in some form. I can't remember exactly, but it was sort of surprising to see the huge numbers at the very top. And then, you know, just a few people below that, it's, it's sort of a fairly attainable score for a lot of people who have played the game. Like a huge drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a game where once you get really, really good at it, you can play at it nearly perfectly continuously as long as you maintain that level of attention. In some ways, it's a simple game. Once, If you can keep yeah. up with yeah. that top speed of it, it's a simple, somewhat repetitive game where you just sort of fall into a zone mm-hmm. and you're just, you know, stage after stage, you're doing very similar things. Because the speed maxes out at 16, is it? Stage 16? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's when it hits top speed and it stays there for the rest of the game. Interesting. So yeah, easy to like lock in. Yeah, yeah. And so once you learn how to play stage 16 on with double fighters, that's how you get really good at that game. Okay. Okay. Hmm. I'm probably going to come back to that. Yeah. I've got a couple fast facts about galaga because i again we try to find the fandom related to it we look at a couple different sites like archive of our own and fanfiction.net to kind of find fanfics this episode is a little bit outside of that that zone sure so got some interesting results there's about 60 fanfics combined on the two sites that reference galaga the majority of which involve galaga guy from the first avengers movie oh (laughs) okay The, the one where Robert Downey Jr. goes, that man's playing Galaga. And yes. then he yep. turns back and keeps playing Galaga. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Galaga shows up a number of different times in pop culture. One yeah. instance that I thought was interesting in the 2007 ABC series, Lost, there you have a submarine that 
is called Galaga and it is explicitly named after the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently because they played that a ton in one of the seasons. It was basically a brainstorming break. You, you know, they oh, just played the game as a way to sort of, you know, rev themselves up to figure out what to do with the plot of the show. So I don't know that it worked. <laughs> um, but but that's that's where that came from was they they uh they just loved playing the game. So yeah. All right. So now if anybody Anybody asks why Lost was super weird? It's just the answer is Gallagher. <laughs> Basically. Not satisfied. <laughs> I'm not surprised there's very little fanfic because there's no story in the game. It's a really basic and implicit story. There are alien insects attacking Earth, presumably, and you, the player, are the fighter. That's it. That's the whole story. Yeah. One of the things that uh, might have come up in your searches, there's a Ryan North, di- who di- Dinosaur Comics. I don't know if you know that. But... Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep going. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he was doing an online comic for Galaga. Uh, I was at Shifty Look. I just searched for it the other day because I, I, I wanted to mention it because I liked it. I can't find it anymore, so I don't know what happened to it. It doesn't seem to exist as far as I can tell, but it must somewhere. I, 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 I just don't understand how it would have, you know, in our day and age disappeared completely. But that's happening. And then there's a Swedish-US collaboration for an animated series that's going to be called the Galaga Chronicles that's in production, apparently. So That was the next thing I was going to mention. <laughs> so both of those require story, which, you know, doesn't exist. They have to make it up. Yeah, the question that I had asked last week was like, is there a non-competitive side to people liking Galaga? And there being a comic and there being a show coming up means like presumably there will be, but that stuff they pretty much have to make up whole cloth. Yeah. 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 And you know, that, that fandom does show up in lots of different ways. Just the, you know, if you do a general Google search for Galaga, then you know, it's not just the songs or movies we've mentioned. It's not, you know, just uh, T-shirts and hats. There are lots of baked goods of Galaga. <laughs> there are lots of, like, you know, you, you, I've seen, you know, individual cupcakes with the different sprites. I've seen whole cakes with an entire screen scene on them. There's tons of stuff like that. Um, a lot of tattoos. You know, it goes on and on with all sorts of things. Somebody on Etsy has these... Um, sort of garish cufflinks i mean it just takes all sorts of weird forms so so uh there, there's a love for the game that manifests in all sorts of weird merch and things like that yeah the flip side of the, of the simplicity of the story of what such that it is is that like it's mostly iconography you can just take a thing take like a sprite from galaga and just stick it on something and you'd be like oh yeah, yeah. i love it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're representing it like as pretty basically as much as you can yeah <laughs> I got super distracted as soon as you mentioned uh, Ryan North and decided to look into <laughs> what this is. It's not it's not just Ryan North. It is also Christopher Hastings, who you may know as the uh, artist of Dr. McNinja. Oh, so okay. I, I'm i just know. like, uh, I know what I'm going to be reading after <laughs> we get through this podcast. Did you find the whole comic? Uh, somebody posted it in an album on Imgur, uh, which yeah. I mean, okay. is of dubious right. legality, but uh, it was yeah. on shiftybook.com. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's where I... I, I... Uh, look for it and it had always been but wasn't anymore at the links i had so um, yeah the, that yeah. link is unfortunately dead i wonder if maybe it was uh taken down from there because of the cartoon 
Uh, you don't want any confusion to uh to occur. I mean, Maybe. possibly. This this looks like something that Namco Bandai signed off on. Oh, interesting. So, so listeners, it is findable. If you want to go find it, it's <laughs> on the internet. Good, good. <laughs> yeah. And it's good. I'll just say one thing about it, too, because the double fighters that have become a symbol of Galaga, the comic that they created in that, I think does a really great job of representing the friendship that those double fighters often represent. It's two, I want to say teenage girls and young women, uh, I can't remember how old they are, but um, it's two friends playing this game. And that's what the double fighters are, and that was one of the most interesting new parts of the game, so... I love that he turned that bit in the story. In terms of adapting the comic from Galaga, they used every part of the animal, so to speak. Yes. <laughs> there are very few parts to the animal, so uh, yes. <laughs> well, that was an interesting thing that I found out. Apparently there is like a little, tiny little bit of a thread that runs through a bunch of different oh, yeah. Namco Bandai games. Uh, what is it? Oh, like the SGDF. UGSF. Uh, UGSF Uh, and it threads through like a whole bunch of different and I actually should have had this link open (laughs) had a whole bunch of different games like it even includes Dig Dug and Ace Combat yeah it's it's like a comprehensive timeline of a bunch of uh, B&E games stitched together in a way that they all relate to one another it's like a, a giant shared universe oh I've never seen that if you search up uh, UGSF... UGSF-series.com. Yeah, there you go. You'll find it. What's unclear to me about that, though, is if it's something that Namco put together or if it's something that fans put together and then Namco signed off on. Like the Zelda timeline. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, oh, my Maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll have to dig into that later. <laughs> <laughs> Those were some of the facts that I dug up regarding Galaga. Why? All right. So with Galaga, the impression that I got doing research is at the time, the the arcade boom, it was like, it was a gamer's game. Like the way we were talking about before, once you hit that max speed, it kind of like unravels and you can kind of see how it all works as opposed to like a Space Invaders or something like that. I mean, it's an odd thing because it was a gamer's game at that sort of top level. But the other thing I think that's made it last in a way some other games from the same time didn't that were great is that it was also a really accessible game. Those first few stages are really pretty easy. Like almost anybody who can play a basic video game can get through those first two stages and get to the challenging stage which everybody seems to find fun. And then, <laughs> you know, even for weaker players of Galaga, there is some satisfaction in, in just playing some number of early stages, even if it's, you know, just to get to one challenging stage or to get through 10 stages mm-hmm. or something like that. It's very doable in that way. And, you know, it's a weird part of it when people know that I know the game well, they'll say, oh, I scored, you know, 60,000 on it once. And I was really good. And then I was like, well, that's great. <laughs> but, you know, that, that, that wasn't a good score even back in the day. So it was, but people could still feel good about it. I think it's one of the reasons it's lasted. So is the gameplay still is pretty decent. I mean, it's completely different than games yeah. today, but it had a speed that a lot of the early games didn't have that makes it still playable. I was, was reading your book, and it sounded <laughs> like Space Invaders just like would speed up in, to infinity. 
Yeah, so sp- Space Invaders, it started really slow. Um, you may remember the dun, 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 dun yep. music of it, and that music goes faster and faster. And so those first couple of stages on Space Invaders were pretty easy in a certain sense. When you got down to the last couple, it would take off and they'd be going across the screen pretty quickly. But it was a very slow game. You could have one bullet on the screen at a time. Oh, which man. You know, nobody makes a game like that now. <laughs> it's a strange kind of torture to do that. <laughs> and uh, I can't who made Space Invaders? I can't remember. It was different than Nanko, if I remember correctly. And Nanko ripped it off with an update that was Galaxian. And so Galaxian was basically Space Invaders, but it had colored sprites. And instead of just being in the Armada or whatever you wanted to call it, moving back and forth across the screen, they did that, but they also jumped off that grouping and would attack, which was just a really new thing. Still, though, you just had one bullet at a time. <laughs> it was really this sort of thing, especially if you were in a tight spot. If you missed, you had to watch your stupid bullet, you know, go <laughs> all the way up off the screen before you could shoot again. But that was the pace of games mm-hmm. at the time. You know, that Galaxian update seemed fast compared to Space Invaders. But when Galaga came along, it was just an entirely different thing. The pace was entirely different. It doesn't seem like much now, but there were two bullets at a time instead of one. Twice as many. <laughs> but it really did change the gameplay. It increased the game, you know, the speed of the game more than twice what, you know. Yeah. So it was truly an entirely different thing, just based on that. So uh, Galaga comes out in 81. Right. Fast forward to the future, I'm kind of curious, had there been other attempts to continue like having that kind of game where you can focus in, where you can get like in the zone, but also like change it? Because you said that, you know, there are two bullets now and it doesn't seem like a big change, but it makes a big difference. Yeah. I wonder if if some genius at Namco decided, what about four (laughs) bullets or 12 or... (laughs) At some point, um, it was updated for so later, and I, I'm not going to remember which. That's okay. You know, next sequel, but at some point there is continuous shooting, and if you look at any of the iPhone versions of it now, it allows continuous shooting. And I want to say one of the even anniversary editions of the stand-up arcade allowed continuous shooting too. I might not have that exactly right, but yeah, eventually somebody did that. But even you know. Galaga, besides the two bullets, which sounds incredibly stupid to call it update mm-hmm. at this point, it did introduce a lot of other things that we just hadn't seen before in video games. Like this was a time, you know, like did, have you ever seen Mattel football or Mattel basketball? Just these tiny handheld things. Yeah. Yeah. There were LED lights. Like that to, to put this in perspective, just a few years before Space Invaders and Galaxian and then Galaga, that was amazing. Nobody had ever seen or played (laughs) anything like that. So some of this is really simple in a sense, but Galaga was a huge step forward. Besides the two bullets, there's the, you know, the double fighters. There wasn't a video game that had a move where you could potentially sacrifice something to get something greater. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So potentially losing your fighter to get double fighters, the first time... I saw it. I didn't do it. I was just like, this had, you know, it had to be, but you just didn't allow 
your fighter, person, whatever in your video game, you never allowed it to be captured. Mm -hmm. So that was a brand new thing. So it was that. And then there was another little thing they did. Nixie, if you've been playing, the way the, the bees circle below off the screen yeah. and then come back, yeah. like that blew our minds when oh. that happened. You know, something left the screen. It came back yeah. from the top. That was it. There wasn't another possibility in that sort of game. And mm -hmm. so there are a lot of little things like that that Galaga did that it introduced some, you know, would now be pretty basic AI that hadn't been part of it before. The challenging stages, I, if I remember correctly, it's the first video game to offer bonus stages. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, this is a bit of a misconception because most people will say Miss Pac-Man is the first sequel. But I'm sorry, and I'm even saying it wrong. People will say Miss Pac-Man. It's Miss Pac-Man. But Miss Pac-Man was actually um, a hack called Crazy Auto, mm. which somebody had made, and they made into the sequel to Pac-Man because the sequel they were working on was running late. <laughs> and so Galaga became the actually first sequel to a video game. Man. Wow. So... Sorry, that was a lot of random stuff. No, man, I don't know. dropping a lot of knowledge. Because <laughs> like, the easy view from the outside, especially not growing up at that time, is like all those games are identical, right? Like you, if you just see yeah. you know, them on a t-shirt, a Hot Topic, or whatever, you're just like, those are all just <laughs> the same game. So like figuring out how the play is different, you know, why they'd still do something like Score Wars now. Yeah. And secondly, like how it changed how you knew video games at the time is like, awesome to learn yeah so it was it was a big shift in what different you know stand-up arcade games did you know all of the consoles and things we had some of that but not in the way that it's available now so um, it all happened in that way and you would walk into the arcade one day and there would be a new game and every time it was sort of mesmerizing and when it happened with galaga you know, immediately recognized it as an update of Galaxian, which sort of broke my heart because I'd become really oh. good at Galaxian. But um, <laughs> now I'm going to be dropping quarters on this new one. But the other thing Galaga did too, it had a little demo mode, which was pretty rare in the day. And you could actually play the demo mode before you ever played the game too. So it was another thing it brought. It sort of gave people a way into the game that lots of other games didn't. Yeah. Hmm. There's apparently some glitches you can do on the arcade cabinet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, if you could defeat enough enemies fast enough in the demo mode, then it wouldn't reset, and then you would just get to play the game for free. Supposedly. <laughs> I've never seen it actually happen. <laughs> so, I mean, that was why I would, I would love to... In, I mean, maybe there's video of it now, but I've never seen anybody do that. And in the same way, there was the B-hack. Did you come across that one? Where if you like leave two blue right. bees and then you just don't shoot them after five minutes, then exactly. they'll never shoot any missiles. Yeah, so I've never been able to make this work. <laughs> so I always, I've, and I've tried multiple times on multiple machines. I've never been able to make it work. I assumed it was a myth. But when I was writing the book, um, there's a guy, um, Christopher Cantrell, who's different than Christopher Cantell, who worked on uh, what was the AMC movie uh, about computers I'm blanking on it now I mean not the movie the TV show oh uh, catch catch fire catch, yeah halt and catch fire halt and yeah, catch yeah, fire. yeah so he worked on halt and catch fire and he gets confused with this guy um, Christopher Cantrell who runs a website called 
computer archaeology, if I remember correctly. He actually got a hold of the code and found the glitch. And so if you leave either the two leftmost or two rightmost bees and let them continue to fire at you without firing at them, there's a corrupted bullet on either the leftmost part of the screen that can't hit you or the rightmost part. And the cachet for shooting bullets in the code gets filled eventually. And once it does, they never shoot at you again. So it's in the code. It's supposed to work. I've never been able to do it. Okay, because I read about that and I'm like, I didn't even think about how that would be programmed. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. It's just filled with garbage and then uh, it can't shoot it anymore. Great. Perfect. <laughs> exactly. So, but one of the weird parts of that, so he found it in the code. It exists. This isn't something I ever knew of when I was a teenager playing the game. Like, it just, nobody had this knowledge. We couldn't Google it. We couldn't, you know, it just didn't exist. <laughs> But somebody must have known about it, I think, because I can't imagine the scenario in which somebody sat there <laughs> with just those two bees remaining and never shot at them. And then that happened. I can't, like, it seems too far-fetched. So If you're trying to advance in the game, you would never do that. <laughs> right, exactly. It, it fits no gaming instinct I'm aware of. So I'm not sure how that ever got out and was known and all of that um it's one of the weird untold bits of the game obviously you know a little thing or two about galaga <laughs> you wrote a book about it so i i hope you could be a fraud i'm not saying you're a fraud but i could be making every bit of this up okay <laughs> nobody fact check this episode it's fine. Um, what i was gonna ask was obviously you still kind of keep in a little bit of the galaga community like what is out there? How do you get in on that? Or is it something that you had to be there when it came out? I, I think that's a really big part of it is being there when it came up. Because one of the things um, that can't quite be known for a lot of people who have played the game on consoles or um, their phones, that sort of thing, the gameplay is infinitely better on the stand-up arcade than anything else. I mean, it's still, even if you play on the cocktail table version it's still the same but it doesn't feel mm. the same if you play on the mini version like it's it, it, nothing it's it's the arcade version that was always the most fun and so that's a little lost now but it does have a lot to do with you know this was a big game at the height of what people call the golden age of arcades you know which lasted just a few years and we're seeing a bit of a comeback with barcades and things like that but the only way to truly fall in love with the game, as far as I know, is to have played it back then. And it sort of gets handed down that way, having access to that particular kind of machine. So the fandom, you know, as a single place where fans might go, like those things you mentioned early on are about as good as it gets. It's a pretty isolated thing. You know, I get people that send me stuff all the time now because of the book, but Beyond that, it was really just randomly finding things here that it didn't exist in any one place. Do you happen to know how many cabinets there are? Like, was there like a finite amount? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the number. It does exist if you okay. Google it, because I remember when I was doing research on the book, the number of original cabinets, that exists somewhere. And then um, there are a ton of stand-ups now available because of the 20th anniversary that they did with Ms. Pac-Man. 
So there's that, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that machine, but it's the most common machine you'll find now is a, um, you can play either Ms. Pac-Man or Galaga on it, and you'll see that in a lot of places now. So there are a lot of those around. Mm, it's 620 bucks on eBay. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah, Pac-Man That's not bad, plays really. 39 awesome games. This yeah. might be someone's own little thing that they've rigged up but uh <laughs> oh the original machines are like fourteen hundred dollars yeah so that's the low end as well what used to be the low end for them better versions would go for three thousand something like that when you find those original ones wow there's a place outside of baltimore where i am called crab town usa you can eat crabs you can play kino you can bet on horses and then they have a side room with all of these old pinball machines and the original versions of stand-up arcade games. And they have two Galagas in there. Cool. But, you know, as simple as the mechanics are, they, they, on those old machines, it's pretty rough to play with them. The joystick's sticky. This flare button oh. gets stuck. I mean, it's there are all sorts of screen glitches beyond the known screen glitches, things like that. So, It's reading that, like, when you're young, the goal was, like, to get the day's high score was it very common practice for them to unplug all the machines every every night <laughs> yeah yeah yep yep every yeah and I, I'm, I'm sure that fueled more quarters in oh, a basic probably, way yeah. <laughs> but no i mean you know i would be there with my buddy todd who i you know went to the arcade with all the time back then and we would be waiting for the game <laughs> to go up so you know we could go and it would still stink of the disinfectant they put on the floor and all of that but just you know the room would go from being really quiet to just being this wall of sound with, with the games being turned on. So, What was your go-to initials? Did you use your own initials or were you clever? Were you a clever teenager? <laughs> I wasn't a clever teenager in that sense. It was my own initials. And then once I had my first girlfriend, it was her initials. So that was <laughs> the extent of my, my cleverness. <laughs> Unless if you had a bad score... One thing you wouldn't do is admit it was yours. So that's when you would, <laughs> that's when you would put in ASS or yeah. SEX or whatever <laughs> other little three-letter thing you could come up with. So uh, you'd yeah. never cop to that sort of bad game. <laughs> I was always ace. <laughs> Pretty nice. Do you have sets of initials for each of you? Um, oh, like, are they different for all of us? <laughs> well, yeah. Do, I mean, do you... Well, I mean, if you're all just going NIC or NIC, oh, okay. or... <laughs> Whenever that has come up, I do the same thing that you do, which is enter my boring initials. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. I just said my, like my middle name or... Pick a middle name. Yeah. Well, I put ace. <laughs> boring. Ace. ace. It's easier to put in. <laughs> so talked about how, you know, you kind of had to be there. You know, you had to have played it kind of on the original cabinet or like play it on a cabinet today that's been kept in very good condition. Right. What do you think is going to happen? You know, I, I think Galaga just had its like 30th or 35th anniversary very recently. I believe it was 37 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, 37 okay. now. They released a new iPhone version in 16 that was the 35th anniversary okay. update, so to speak. So uh, as we get further and further from when the game was released and as there's, you know, you kind of had to be in the moment yeah. knowing that it's a small fandom, how do you think that's going to, to change the fandom? I assume it's going to die in a fairly slow way. I mean, I think that a lot of the fans now are around my 
age. And I think when if it's a fan who isn't around my age, it's because their, you know, uncle or older, much older brother or father or mother, you know, somebody like that played the game and sort of passed it on to them. I don't see a lot of younger people playing the game. One thing I will see is dad showing really little kids the game, but I don't see that being, you know, picked up as a lifelong love affair with the game. I'm not sure that'll carry through just because it's not that available. Arcades don't exist in the way they did. The console version isn't nearly as fun as, you know, the console version of so many new video games. So yeah, it's gonna die. It'll disappear. It has to. I don't. I don't see another way. <laughs> oh, unless there is no. Oh. Were you thinking of Ready Player One? No, I still haven't seen that because uh, okay. I've, <laughs> <laughs> a friend recommended the book to me, and they're like, and then at some point there was just some image on the internet. It's like here's an excerpt from the book, and I'm like, I'm not sure I want to read this now. <laughs> it's. I mean, if you, I kind of loved it because it brought a lot of those games back. That, that I grew up with. And the main character, Wade, whose game name is Parsival, something like that. Yeah. He plays Galaga a fair amount um, as part of his research uh, because it was a blanking on the creators of, you know, of the game they're playing in Ready Player One. That guy loved Galaga too. So it's really the only way it'll be <laughs> passed on is, <laughs> is things like that. Or, you know, if we are truly living in a world where we're all simulations, then, you know, something like that's possible. But if the world's what I imagine we're living in, then it's going to die a slow, late death. Uh, we can always hope we're living in a simulation. I mean, <laughs> I mean unless yeah. this, unless this, uh, we haven't seen the animated series yet, so we don't know how that's going to impact. That's true. It could change everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then like crucially has the same name as Galaga and that's probably <laughs> what would, what would refuel it. Yeah, I feel like right. if you have dad showing their like small kids Galaga the second they look at a phone Galaga's gone from their like, <laughs> like yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever the reward system is that we get from playing a video game it's going to be better on whatever iPhone game we're playing than it is on a stand-up arcade. Like, I just don't think it rewards the Arlimbic system the way um, you know the, the phone does today. Yeah, because you talk about that in the book, like how it's literally addictive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, once you get going and it's like things start flashing, you start doing well, it's like you get a little <laughs> rush, but we've like compressed that into such a... yeah like instant way to get that from the phone now right well that's it was one of the 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 book as you may remember starts off with a little bit about alec baldwin yeah who back in the 80s would you know show up at some arcade that would open early every morning and wait to play galaga that's how he came down from his drug binge or however much drinking he was doing and so you know the rush of that game in that way makes sense like it was a way to sort of deal with that but yeah it's a whole different thing today it's a different kind of rush Mm -hmm. i thought for sure there was like some video game that got turned into a cartoon and that saved the series but like for the life of me i can't remember it and wikipedia is not helping at all (laughs) i just imagined it it's fine like uh did they do a tetris uh... (laughs) i'm thinking of battleship the movie maybe 
Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably thinking of like one of those movies that they brought back, like Jumanji yeah. or something I didn't want them to bring back. It's fine. <laughs> right, the emoji right. movie. Yeah, I can't think of what that would be, but I do feel like it exists, but I can't. Um... Oh, I'm probably thinking of like Transformers or something, but that never really died. Right. It just wasn't as popular. Right. Seems to be doing mm-hmm. fine now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember you're sort of wondering about like. Like, whether the casual Galaga players? Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the Reddit, I came across... Uh, actually, it wasn't even the Galaga Reddit. It was the gaming Reddit on a thread about um, this father who had taken a picture of his son playing Galaga, and he'd <laughs> gotten the local high score. Yeah. And, you know, the thread below it, all the comments and everything kind of broke away from the topic at hand, so to speak. And they were talking about all sorts of different stuff. And somebody posted a very simple comment. Um, you know, all true Galaga players will always play as the second player because then you can have that extra digit on your score. Right. And that kind of, you know, leaves the impression that, you know, maybe these Galaga players, these hardcore fans are all about the score and the points. Do you think that that's the case? Or is are there sort of different types of Galaga fans? Yeah, I think there are different types. I mean, I do think that that hardcore group was very much about the score, and and that was a a big part of that sort of play. But I think for most people, it was just a really fun game to play, and whatever their score was felt like a good score. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't so much perspective on it, you know, especially when it was happening, so sort of connects with what we were talking about earlier, but I think the casual player is allowed to feel like they're good at this game, even though there may be other players who are, you know, many degrees better than that. Mm -hmm. Do you think that for the casual players, and even for the hardcore players, part of the appeal was what people like Ryan North and and his collaborator saw in the game, like the themes of friendship and working together? Is that something that casual players kind of maybe latched onto subconsciously or consciously and that kept them coming back or i feel like it was sort of a subconscious thing to some extent but i do think it made it a very enjoyable game in a way and i think there were Mm -hmm. surprises in the gameplay that made it enjoyable game for a lot of people and even you know if you're playing a stand-up arcade game a lot of you know what we used to say back in the day was just the quarter it was a fast quarter it was a slow (laughs) quarter you know yeah so there were games, like, I don't know if you've ever played Defender, uh, the Upright Cabinet. I think it was a Williams game back then. No. It was really hard. You know, Galaga, you had the joystick and the fire button, and that was it. Beautiful. And Defender, you could move up and down, forwards and back. <laughs> and then there were a whole series of other buttons. I can't even remember how many now. But you could lose that game in under a minute where you could suck at Galaga and play for five minutes. And so it was just a really different experience than a lot of other games at the time. Yeah, well, I I imagine that just being an upright cabinet in an arcade would also lend itself to that kind of community building, right? Like people would sort of gather around if somebody was doing really well. And yeah. Yeah, it was baffling to me the first time I went into an arcade as a kid. Space Invaders was new. And it was right in the center of the arcade. And 
that's where everybody was. Somebody was playing. They were flanked by a couple of people, you know, looking over either shoulder. And there were quarters up on the ledge, which to me as a child was baffling. I couldn't understand why (laughs) the quarters were there. And then there was a whole crowd of people around that trying to edge in so they could put their quarter on or get them there, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. There was something about watching the games even then that people truly enjoyed, mm-hmm. which is sort of a fascinating connection to, you know, Twitch mm-hmm. today and, and those sorts yeah. of things. But yeah, that was that was happening then. And, and you learned to some extent from watching other players because there was no... You know, a new game comes up now for PS4. How long is it before the Wikipedia goes up about, (laughs) you know, this or that element? It didn't happen that way. You had to see somebody doing it and be like, oh, like that's how you deal with that, you know, XYZ thing. Yeah. Um, You know, so it really happened in in a very different kind of way that might have been part of the fun back then. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, um, like this is a little bit later on a few years down the road different sort of thing but hearing stories about people playing the original zelda on the nes yeah and you know like the kids on the playground sort of sharing secrets and rumors and that kind of thing right it sounds like the same thing was sort of happening with galaga i mean maybe not to the same extent because there's not like a a hidden level or anything like that but right with the with the glitches especially that's maybe how they spread yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there really wasn't any other way for it to happen. It was that way. And, you know, a lot of that exists online now. You can Google it and find different things. But, yeah, there was a community existed in just a very different way then. I mean, yeah, what we experience now is such a qualitative shift from what that was. I love hearing stories of, like, having to learn things from people, right? Like... <laughs> like one of my favorite stories about that's how yeah, it works. One of my favorite stories about the Beatles <laughs> is they took a bus across Liverpool because they knew a guy who knew how to play B7 on the guitar. They knew E and A, <laughs> but they didn't have B7, so they went right. to find the guy. Yeah, that's amazing. In in one of the articles about Score Wars, so the article references the different styles of play Ooh. that some of these pros had, and I was like, well, what the hell are those? Like, I've never seen that. Anywhere, <laughs> nobody's described it. No, like it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So I may have to go to that someday just to see what those things are. Like I have the way I do it. I don't know if that's how <laughs> these guys do it. As far as you knew, there was be good at Galaga and don't be as good at Galaga. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it's like if it had auto fire, then then I could like oh you've got like drunken fist where the character oh. like moves around real slowly and then you've got like twitching finger and it's just like ramming on the button but right. you only got two shots so you're not you're not doing that right well that's and it's a common question like sometimes i'll be playing in a game and somebody will start watching and you know at a stage break where you have five or ten seconds of rest they'll say well why aren't you just holding the button down <laughs> it's the dumbest thing i've ever heard but like Yeah, it's a standard way to play a lot of games, especially with iPhones now, where it's just touch and it's sort of a continuous thing as you're playing. But yeah, you're not going to be good at Galaga or Galaxian or Space Invaders or any of those things if you're playing that way. It's just not possible. I mean, there are some basic strategies. There's a real rhythm to the game. As the stages set up, as the stages progress and... That's how I developed my style of play. 
It has to be double fighters. Single fighters are never going to get you anywhere <laughs> in terms of like, a seriously high score. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But what I don't know is, so within that sort of basic understanding of how the sprites enter and what they do after they set up, are there other ways to play? I really don't know. And I, like, I, I'm going to have to go play a bunch just to, to, to see if I can think of something else. It may be so ingrained in me that I won't be able to do that, but I'm really fascinated to know what that might be. Because anybody who's good at, you know, it's a common thing. There are people who think they're very good at the game, and the only way to play it is single fighters, because if you use double fighters, you're just going to lose one of them. And it's their yeah. inability to understand how the whole screen works and how you have to move. Once you know that, you can keep your double fighters intact. If you don't know that, you can't. But beyond that, what could it possibly be? I don't know. Do you guys have any ideas? Clearing out a certain side of the screen first. and Well, that's part of it. So you're killing everything you can as it's yeah. entering, and you're letting whatever set up, set up. And there's a tiny little blip of a break as they set up before they start attacking. And as that little blip happens, you have to slide left or right take out one side and slide across to take across the other side and anything attacking. Yeah. If you don't do that, if you're left with sprites on both sides, you're in a lot of trouble at top speed. At low speed, yeah. it doesn't matter. At top speed, you'll get killed very quickly. Yep. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the strategy would be, but I was reminded of, um, there was an article a while back and I can't remember who it was, but it was about, people using AI to teach computers how to play video games without giving them any rules. Okay. They're just given a function, which is like, you know, let's say it's a high score. That's the thing you want to optimize for. And then yeah. this computer's like, I don't know what to do. So it'll just try some random things and it'll end up eventually kind of playing the game and sometimes doing stupid things because it gives you a high score, but it doesn't actually finish the game. <laughs> right. And I'm wondering if anybody's ever done that with, Galaga because the game I remember them trying it with was with Super Mario Brothers 1. Okay. Which like it's a side scroller so I can imagine getting stuck but in a game where your goal is to shoot ships and advance through levels and get a high score I'm like right that's probably something you could train it to do. Yeah, that must exist. And one of the um he's not the record holder now if I remember um, I think it's Andrew Laidlow something like that is the world record now and Phil Day who was a previous record holder. And his whole basic advice for playing Galaga is clear stages. Don't worry about bonus points, which you can get in certain ways. Just clear stages. And it would be interesting to see how AI would manage that. Because there are a lot of things that can happen in play which will increase your score for a particular stage, but infinitely increase your chance of being killed. And so where AI finds that balance would be kind of fascinating. Galaga tournament setting world record fell again, <laughs> reclaimed on New Year's Day by the previous record holder, Andrew Laidlaw of Washington State. Oh, all right. 4,525,150 was certified on Friday by Twin Galaxies, the world sanctioning authority for video game high scores. All right. I didn't realize there was a world sanctioning authority, but I guess there must be. Yeah, that's that same authority. Did you um what was the uh, Donkey Kong oh, documentary King called? Kong, yeah. King of Kong. Some, yeah, yeah. So that's the governing body that's involved in some of that documentary yeah. too. So they, you know, ratify a bunch of top scores. I love it. And they call people cheating, as you know from the Donkey Kong. <laughs> that's one famous example. Yeah. Which is just yeah. like why? Why? <laughs>
Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was listening <laughs> to a pod. <laughs> I was listening to an episode of uh, Retronauts, a, a podcast all about retro games. That was exactly about that. About the, um, I think it was, oh, I forget his name, but one of the guys from King of Kong, how he was caught cheating. Yeah. Because he was using like an emulator. Was it, was it Billy Mitchell or was that it the other guy? It Billy was Mitchell. Yeah, it was the biggest <laughs> in the documentary. Yeah. It that guy? yeah. So, and one who was most insistent that he was doing it correctly, and the other guy wasn't. And yeah. then, it, of course, it turned out to be him that was cheating. So, how is your goal to be the best at Donkey Kong, <laughs> but you're like not interested in doing it <laughs> properly? Right, I don't, I, I don't get what that reward would be. I mean, do you feel good about a video game if somebody else thinks you're good, or do you feel good about a video game if you know you've played a good game? It must be mostly internal, so that's why it's so weird that you would right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless there's a huge amount of cash associated with having that position. <laughs> right. I feel like probably not. <laughs> And what was the the Score Wars prize was ten k for the pros? Yeah, no. yeah. And I think for amateurs it was fifteen hundred, something like that. That is correct. Yes. And I don't know what the difference between a pro and an amateur is. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the site lists like what you need to do for both categories. Okay. And from the news article. I, again, I don't know what they had to do to be pro players, but the pro players had like an all expenses paid trip. Oh, well, that's nice. So it's like if you win, you get ten grand, and you got a free trip to right. uh, I think it's Santa right. Fe. Okay, yeah, I knew it was New Mexico. I couldn't remember where Santa Fe sounds right. I was wondering. So we're talking about King of Kong, and like a bunch of other games of that time. There are people that would have stopped going to arcades entirely and stopped playing those games. There are people that keep playing Galaga and like our, our diehard fans of that for the people in between that didn't stop gaming. Where do you think they ended up? You mean in terms of what games they were playing? Yeah. Sorry. I, not, not like where did they end up in their lives? <laughs> what are they doing today? Are they writing books? They're all in middle management. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there were a ton of great weird games at the time, you know, joust. You ever played joust? A little bit. Yeah. That always fascinated me. The thing with the arcade, they everybody was playing the most famous games that you already know of. There were some great other weird games at different points, like Seawolf was a really early video game where you looked through a periscope that I thought was kind of awesome as a kid. Tron was pretty sweet. Berserk. I loved Berserk. It was a really simple <laughs> game back then. Well, still. Yeah, so there were some other really weird things. But, you know, even at that point, when I was, you know, still playing in the arcade, when the arcade existed, games were already evolving to multiplayer sort of role-playing fighting games. Mm -hmm. So that was already the direction back then, which is, you know, turned into that similar version today on consoles or the single-person shooters that, you know, so much of gaming now. So, yeah. So a couple updates here. I was trying to find out what, what a pro-level player is. Yeah. <laughs> and it said, you get to compete against our legacy champs based on like your position on this leaderboard. I clicked on the leaderboard. It says, you are not allowed to view this content. So <laughs> I guess they already know what your score is wow. before you click. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Yeah, I wonder if you have to submit I think, it I think, in yeah. some sort of sanctioned way or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. And then 
quick Google of Berserk brings up the article, how many people has the Berserk arcade game killed? <laughs> Which, there's something about that arcade game that I do not know. What? Wait, is that... Oh, did it cause seizures? Is it one of those stories? Could be. Uh, Jeff Daly here. Leslie have entered his initials twice in the Berserk machine top ten players before dying of a heart attack. Uh, okay, I'm not. I mean, that's a pretty sad way to go, but um, yeah. Oh, wow. And it happened to somebody else. <laughs> what? Wow. It could just be a really weird coincidence. Putting in your initials. I mean, this sounds like a really weird Urban Legend. But yeah, it's <laughs> possible this is not. This is really weird. I was unaware. I'm glad I didn't kill me. Shouldn't have read that. <laughs> <laughs> Everything to a screaming halt. <laughs> uh, talking about myths, did uh, and we actually mentioned some of them that maybe were, maybe were true, maybe were not about Galaga at the beginning of the episode. Okay. Uh, is there anything else that you've come across in your many years of playing the game that you've heard circulated, like myths about the game, other than um, the two bees and the the demo and the demo? Yeah. Right. The demo. Um... I mean, there are a couple of glitches. I've never seen one where the fighter turns into a barcode. Oh, interesting. I've never seen that, and I don't know if anything comes of it. But there was there was nothing like, you know, oh, my uncle works at Midway, and, <laughs> and you know, if you in- yeah. enter, like, three ups at the beginning of the game, then uh, it shows uh, Satan right. or something. <laughs> nothing like that that I'm aware of. Okay. It's odd in gaming history in that very little is known about the creator and designer it's just, you know, with a lot of games, we know a lot. And I can't remember either one of their names right now, but I had to dig hard to even find those names. Like, I found a guy who I know a little bit who works at a gaming company and was able to contact somebody else who, like, it was, you know, this chain of things which led to the designer's name. Wow. Like, and that's all, like, that. It was, it was that hard just to get that bit, so... Yeah, there's not a ton known in this way. And I don't really know of other things like that. One other point of contention is how you actually say the name. Oh, yes. Which is sort of fascinating, right? So remember, the initial game in the series was Galaxian. And then Galaga came out, and apparently the Japanese makers intended the name to be Galaga. But in the States, where it really took off, everybody called it Galaga, and that became what it was called. So some people will still insist on Galaga, which I still find mm. difficult to say. But it was supposed to be the name in the literature that was given to the sales reps and things. Um, you can find that information, but there will be people that disagree about that. If it was IA, then I'd pronounce it that way, Galagia. Right. But uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Somebody, and I don't know if this is right at all, but somebody explained to me that it had to do with Japanese as a language and the emphasis more often being on a second mm. syllable. I can believe that. So something like that was the initial reasoning. Yeah. Gyadaga. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that was another topic that that uh, thread about the uh, father's son's high score kind of broke out into. Pronunciation. Oh, so people are still arguing about it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Admittedly, it was it was a seven-year-old post, so I don't I mean, I don't okay. know if people <laughs> right. are Got still it. necessarily arguing <laughs> about it. They're just not <laughs> posting it publicly anymore. They're just, just doing about it quietly. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
right. mean, you, right. you said Close. broke out, yeah. and my first thought was, you know, he heard his kid say it wrong, breaks the beer bottle over the table, <laughs> and he's Good like, boy. say that again. We have Gallego. Well, it was particularly interesting. <laughs> fairly interesting because uh, it was started by somebody in Australia. Oh, that's right. Mentioned the uh, yeah, mentioned the regional pronunciation uh, of Gallagher. Wow, <laughs> nice. I mean, it's only so much they can do. That. So maybe I don't know. Maybe apparently it still has a very big following in Australia. So oh. maybe they oh. say Galaga in Australia, and I just don't yeah. know it. And I'm insisting on my own skewed worldview. So. Galaga. Yeah, <laughs> it's too hard. To... <laughs> it does seem like the fandom that is on the internet is predominantly in in the states, right? Because I mean, a lot of the things I was running across mentioned like, oh yeah, I remember getting together in the Seven Eleven to play Galaga, or I remember going to play Galaga at the Subway sandwich <sighs> shop. You know, just these American stores that I don't necessarily know have gone very far beyond North America. Right. Right. Do arcade machines show up in weird places in Canada? I, I assume they do, or is that not a thing? I mean, sometimes you'll have a you have the odd pub or bar that just like has a couple yeah. strewn around. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. When you told me before that there was one in Subway, I was like, what? I... Yeah, I've never seen one in any fast food place. So in Baltimore alone, there's one in a really great bookstore, Atomic Books. Um, there's one in a cafe. Just a little bakery, coffee shop, a little crap town, which I mentioned. There's a pool hall, ping pong place that has a Galaga machine. They're sort of all over. One of my favorite places, was I was on a trip from uh, Maryland back to Michigan where I grew up. And on the Ohio Turnpike, at, I must have been somebody's you know group deal of arcade machines. But everywhere I stopped out along the Ohio, at any rest area on the Turnpike, there was a Ms. Pac-Man Galaga every single one I stopped at. <laughs> I felt as if I had entered some new world or some new world where the world was, where wherever I went, just these machines popped up. So <laughs> it was kind of amazing. So you still see that. There was one for a long time at a laundromat. The weird. And I never did my laundry there, but I would stop in and yeah. play, play the game up there. So you still see it. I was actually going to ask, when you play Galaga now, is that where you do it? Yeah, I play. So I play a lot at uh, Atomic Books um, as one of my favorite places. And that's on a, uh, an emulator with, I can't remember, maybe 64 games, a ton of, of, of weird stuff. Hmm. The big problem for me playing Galaga now is if I'm going to play, I have to go by myself because nobody will play with me. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's a long game good at it like i could play for an hour and somebody who isn't might play for five or ten minutes and it's just not something you should do to a friend <laughs> <laughs> so when i play that i'll play on my own mostly but i play a lot of other old games with friends some of which we've just discovered oh really just through some of these old emulators which can be fun so there was another old shooter phoenix i don't know if you've heard of it it's really weird it has really janky ai it's hard to follow the path of the sprites it's a really odd game but they they have phoenix and then they have the update of phoenix which i think is pleiades and it's just really weird gameplay a very strange boss fight so there's a ton of stuff like that 
So they have every Pac-Man, every Miss Pac-Man, every Dig Dug, every Donkey, you know, they're all there. So so you can find a lot of that stuff now. And that's fun to just play through stuff you've never played before. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It looks, uh, I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> it's weird music. It's weird sound. It's a very unsettling game in a way. <laughs> and the way that you can get into the zone in Galaga and you just feel like this, you know, there's a concept called flow where you just get yeah. lost in whatever you're doing. Yeah. In Galaga, there's flow. In Phoenix, there's no flow. It's this weird halting movement that you can't, like, yeah. So you just feel weird when you're done playing. I actually, I enjoyed the music that I was playing when I, when I played the version of Galaga, such that it was. I was expecting it to be a sound effect, but then it kept going. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, uh, this is pretty neat. Yeah, it's, it gets credit for its its music and sound effects. It was one of the first games when your fighter dies, it has an explosion sound. And it was one of the oh, first wow. games to do that, apparently, which seems odd. You know, there's a really great bit with a challenging stage that has this vaguely triumphant music that makes you feel like you did something great. Whoa. That and, and that sort of missile dropping sound that one of you made at the beginning. <laughs> It's in at least two different songs, and I can't remember who the other person is. I'm pretty sure one of the songs okay, is the yeah. Drake song, where it's just, you know, it gets sampled into stuff, and, mm-hmm. you know, all, all of that. So, and that whoever did that sound design, I can't think of his name, but he's fairly well known as a sound designer, did a bunch of other games too. So. The composer is like the only credit on Wikipedia. <laughs> right? It's, it's crazy that it's wow. so blank. I guess I should add to that since I actually know some of that. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I guess there were no credits in the game or on the cabinet anywhere. No, nothing. Yeah. Games are like movies now. So you always have like such and such as yeah. you know, Final yeah. Fantasy or whatever. <laughs> Back then, it was just like you're churning out games, I guess. So it doesn't didn't really matter who did it. Right. So the person who designed Galaga is on... Well, when I wrote the book, was still on the board at Nameco. Oh, wow. And so people in the industry know who he is uh, in other things he did, uh, but I can't remember what those are now, but it's probably possible to figure that out. <laughs> hmm. What are you thinking, G? Rolling it up? Mm-hmm. Sure. So last episode, we had some famous last words, and I'm just going to make sure that we covered them because we also had a guest last week, and they had a question. Okay. We might have already answered it, so let's take a look here. <laughs> Our guest from last episode, Justice, uh, he had asked, given the age of Galaga and the fact that there haven't been that many remakes over the years, why Galaga? What is it about the game that lends itself to the longevity of the fandom? I feel like we answered that. I definitely feel like we talked about that, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And there have been a lot of updates. Yeah, there were two iPhone updates. Um, you know, I can't even remember them all. Sometimes now there were there were so many, but not as great as Galaga. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like porting and being able to play it in different ways. Yeah. but I don't think yeah. anyone's screaming for like like make it better, like or change how it plays. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. So the only change I know of is the continuous mm. firing, which is allowed on some versions and then oh the other thing and this is in the what is it it's the 20th anniversary game it allows continuous play so you could hypothetically create a high score that you never could have gotten on one quarter 
back in the day, but you can now. So that's possible for people too. That's the only other real change I know. I mean, Namecom did try to improve upon it. It just didn't work, you know. (laughs) I mean, Galaga 3, which was also called Gap Plus, Gap Plus, something like that. (laughs) You know, it introduced a ton of other gameplay, but it just didn't work the way Galaga did. It just, just, you know, it didn't connect with people in the same way, so... Um, there are a few different updates like that that just never had the success. Part of it was that arcades didn't exist in the same mm-hmm. way anymore. Part of it was that they didn't quite capture the new thing um, in the way that Galaga did at its time. Yeah, I think a lot of gaming continued to evolve, and then there were new yeah, kinds of... Yeah. Like, you got Ikaruga, you've got, like, R-Type, you've got, like, a billion other different variations on the theme. Is there a game today where you're just moving left to right? And shooting? Probably Has not, anybody no. made that right? I mean, no. it's... <laughs> One of the other questions we had, G, you had asked, is there an aspect to Galaga fandom that is non-competitive? I posed that, and I think I think we got it, like, sort of. Like, there are people who just, like, enjoy a game of Galaga, and maybe people will be into the animated series. We don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people loved that comic. You know, it was pumped in installments online. So people did love that comic. I hope they do the animated series, whatever that becomes. Yeah, I imagine most Galaga games on arcade machines are now played drunk in bars and people are just, (laughs) you know, having fun like that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's still fun to play that way. I had asked, how does the community stay together given how small it is? I mean, I don't know if you can truly describe it as a community in the way that you can for a lot of games. I mean, it's a very loose, somewhat isolated community. (laughs) (laughs) And Z had asked, is there fan fiction for Galaga, specifically written fan fiction, which I'm not sure what other kind of fan fiction there is. Were you trying to distinguish from fan art? I was trying to distinguish from the comic that, that Michael referenced in the book. I mean, there is a ton of fan art that takes, you know, People make the beaded things, clothes, of, yeah. you know, whatever clothing item you could name. It probably exists as a Galaga thing. You know, so there are lots of things like that. But uh, I can't think of much else in that sense. Mostly Galaga guy from uh, Avengers. <laughs> I was... That oh, meme oh. shows up <laughs> all the time yeah. still. So He died. The actor? Yeah, the actor died, I think, like very recently. Are we tying this into Berserk now? Yeah, did he play Berserk as well? Boy, oh boy. <laughs> I'm going to look it up to make sure, sh- like, <laughs> because Infinity War happened, I don't know if it's like the character died or like the actor um, died. Right. Because I was surprised about that came up because uh, in the movie, I was like, oh, that's funny. And then I completely forgot about it. But like, people who are to Galaga, like, holy crap, you mentioned Galaga. <laughs> I don't know necessarily um, if it was people into Galaga or just like, this is a fun character to use in my Avengers yeah. fan fiction. Right. I mean, there are some possibilities, I think, for fan fiction. Yeah. If people want to approach it. I think the friendship angle that Ryan North took is a, is a pretty great one. Definitely. The other thing that Double Fighters gets used for is that sometimes it's a symbol of um, same-sex marriage. Oh, okay. So there's a ton of possibility mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And yeah, I'd love to see somebody do that, too. That'd be cool. Yeah, and the the bits of fan fiction I found that weren't about uh, Galaga guy, that was usually why Galaga was there as something for the yeah. characters to bond over. Right. Right. 
I mean, that's one of the things I loved about the game, too, besides just, you know, like mm-hmm. loving the gameplay and the way it worked. You know, part of the reason it took on that, you know, big space for me as a teenager was because I was playing it with a friend, you know, like we played all those games together. There's something mm-hmm. great about gaming and, and having people you play with. That's never going to end, I don't think. So. Well, I just wanted to take a very quick step back to... I believe it was G's question, yep. and kind of jumping off of that, follow me see here. Follow I, me. See what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> because the community of Galaga fans is fairly isolated and fairly, you know, maybe loose as opposed to other fandoms, are sort of references to Galaga, like, I don't know, a tattoo or a piece of clothing or something, is that kind of like a secret handshake or sort of a kind of hidden language, you know? You know a Galaga fan sort of on site because you like notice this little detail? I mean, because of my love of the game and you know, long experience with it, if somebody has that, I do feel like I know something about them. Mm-hmm. You know, in that sense, there is an immediate affinity for the particular game that arises out of something like that. I'm not sure how much further one could take that though. I mean, I was thinking about fandom in general, too, just sort of the community and it being isolated. One of the things, and, you know, I didn't spend too much time on the on the Reddit pages you mentioned. When I was doing research for the book, I looked through all of that stuff. One of the things I found striking, though, with a lot of fan communities, there are fans that hate certain aspects of it or new representations of it or mm-hmm. some of that. And I, I guess that exists in the sense that nobody's talking about any of the games that came after Galaga. Nobody loves those games as much as they love Galaga. Mm. But there really isn't any hate in that community. People just love the game. Nobody, you know, it's dated and the gameplay is dated in a certain way, but nobody hates the game or, you know, in that sense. So that's kind of a curious thing. And I guess it it ties in nicely with the whole friendship idea too. There's no like us versus them like factionalism like galaga fans versus <laughs> right there's <laughs> like space yeah. invaders Gal- you know it <laughs> you know that that part doesn't happen yeah i would assume that that people who love galaga also love like like a bunch of the same games from that time so it just kind of gets wrapped up in that bigger thing yeah yeah exactly yeah i wish there were a community i wish i didn't have to look so hard to find out these things I now know about the game. And I was honestly stunned at the size of the community that does exist, even though it is mostly in isolation. I did not expect even the small numbers you found. So that in itself was surprising to me. I mean, the Score Wars audience, that was that was very surprising. <laughs> yeah. I'm honestly stunned that that was the case. I mean... Beyond the thing I raised earlier, where you know learning new techniques, what is interesting about watching Galaga? I would watch a robot learn how to play Galaga. <laughs> I would watch that too, and I would be fascinated by the developments. But I don't think I mean, how would three hundred thousand people be interested I think, in that? I mean, I don't know if I can speak for like. <laughs> specifically why galaga i mean the scope of the event for galaga is interesting like it's that that that, that, that big a tournament but yeah. going back to like the mm-hmm. the talking about like kind of the rush that you get there's something super compelling about hyper competence yeah like seeing someone just like 
Yes. Like, mm. I was back for a little college reunion thing a few months ago, and one of my friends from that time knew I'd written a book, and he wanted to play against me. So we went to Pinball Pete's, which was this little arcade across from where I went to school, and we started playing, and I was like, you go first. And he was like, no, 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 I want to watch you play. I'm like, no, you should go first, because if I go first, you're not going to get to play for a while. And he was like, no, no, you go ahead. I'm like, really? Like, I'm th- like this is your last boarding. And I played, and I, it was just, you know, I wasn't dying. It was just going on and on, and I'd been playing for, I don't know. 10, 15 minutes, and I'm just like, I'm just going to let my guys die. You keep playing. He's like, no, 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 I don't want to play. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was like, I just, he's like, I just can't believe somebody can play this game this way. But, you know, clearly there are dozens, hundreds, who knows how many who can. You know, they had score wars, so all of those people exist. But yeah, just seeing it played at a certain level, anything done at a certain level can be fascinating. I think that's probably the perfect spot to uh, transition into the spotlight. If we're there in the episode, G. I believe that we are. Okay. Cool. We've talked about this like several times on the episode, so it'll be super easy. Uh, We usually have a spotlight to show off a cool thing related to the week's topic. The cool thing this week is uh, scoreboards. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Which you can find at scorewars.com. From their website, Score Wars is a new live stream video game tournament presented by Meow Wolf. For their first annual Score Wars, they brought together the best Galaga players on the planet for an epic four-day throwdown to smash world records and crown a new Galaga champ. As previously mentioned, there was a tournament for $10,000, all expenses paid for the pro players. They also had an amateur competition, uh, which had a prize of 1500 And they brought in a number of high-performing players that are celebrity guests. And they mentioned them on the website, and I didn't mention them because I don't know who they are. But if you go to the website, you can check it out. <laughs> and you can also find out if you wanted to compete, if you wanted to compete as an amateur or a pro, whatever the distinction between those two things is, you could go there and find out. I, let's see here. I don't think you can submit your high score anymore. Nope. 404 error. Okay. The... I mean, it just finished in April, yeah. so mm-hmm. they'll probably put up details for the new year sometime in 2019, if I had to guess. I'm curious because it's called Score Wars if it's going to be rotating different arcade games or if it's going to be Galaga every year or if it's going to be Galaga and other stuff. They had 300,000 people watching on Twitch. I think they'll try something. 300,000 paying (laughs) Twitch customers. Yeah. No. (laughs) Michael, is there anything that you'd like to plug or uh, if you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, I heard you have a really easy way to get an MFA. Uh, I'm... I'm interested. No, but if there was other things that you wanted to plug. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything new right now, so nothing great. But I will say Boss Fight Books does books on a lot of different games, and there are a ton of interesting titles on different games. It's one book to one video game. And, yeah, if you're any writers out there and you're thinking of spending tens of thousands of dollars getting an MFA, <laughs> free online at... I know it's at realpants.com where they serialized it, or you can buy a copy fairly cheaply. I tried to boil down everything you would learn in a two to three year MFA program into one hour. It's a talk I give when I go to colleges, but I'm giving it away free because I hate that colleges charge so much to teach people to write. 
I will totally check that out. They can put it up behind you. <laughs> Spoiler alert, yeah. Z's the writer of the group. <laughs> you can put it up next to your yogurt container. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is the part where we talk about our show. <laughs> so, this is Fanthropological. All the episodes of which you can find at fanthropological.com, our shiny brand new website. If you haven't been there in a while, I suggest you go type in fanthropological.com and check it out now. In the podcatcher that you're listening to this, we'd love it if you would leave a rating or review for the show. Hopefully five stars, but that's up to you. You're the one leaving the review. And uh, helps people uh, find out what we're doing over here. It's a podcast addict. Stitcher, iTunes, what have you. Uh, all that good stuff. This podcast is Fanthropological. The three Nicks of us are the Nixcast, and you can find us all over the internet uh, at the Nixcast on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm going to throw it over to T to talk about an upcoming race. Yeah, so fortunately today we were talking about video games, and that's a super cool opportunity to also talk about uh, the Race Against Time, because the Race <laughs> Against Time is our annual charity marathon where we raise money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada by playing the best game of all time, Galaga. No, um, <laughs> this is not a dig against Galaga, uh, but we, we really love the game that we play, which is Chrono Trigger. Also a boss fight book. There, there's a boss fight book for that, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. He's got it right there. <laughs> <laughs> but we play through Chrono Trigger and raise money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada because much like in the game where you're trying to change a future that might not ever happen to you, we are trying to change the future of Alzheimer's uh, through people's donations. If you want to check that out, you can go to raceagainsttime.io or twitch.tv slash theraceagainsttime. They're literally the same place. And if you follow us there on Twitch, then when we go live, you will be notified of like us playing the game. And right now we are playing every week on Wednesday, more or less, to get hyped up for the main game, playing various time-related games. Also, if you want to donate, you can go to raceagainsttime.io slash donate. All the proceeds go directly to the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. That's right. And if you're listening to this uh, in podcast form, you can also follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thenixcast, where you can watch us record these episodes live every week, every Monday, more or less, at around uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Come on over. Check it out see our lovely faces, see our lovely guests, and, you know, just have a good time hanging out, seeing how, uh, uh, in a sense, the sausage gets made. <laughs> but you can also, once you've uh, come over to twitch.tv slash the next cast, participate in the chat. That means, you know, asking us questions, maybe even asking yourselves questions. I don't know. There could be a show within a show. That'd be fun. But you could also participate in this week's Famous Last Words. That's right. Famous Last Words. Famous Last Words are the part of the show where we say something or ask a question about next week before we do the research. Sometimes that means saying really embarrassing things that we maybe regret and eat our words later, and sometimes it just means we have insightful questions that we have to look into. Next week... I believe we are talking about Gunpla, which is kind of like the Gundam model building. Like, I don't know if it's exclusively Gundams, but it's like plastic model building, uh, usually Gundams, other robots sometimes, with special guest Lauren Orsini, 
who is also known as the otaku journalist. And so what are everybody's famous last words about Gunpla? And Michael, you can go first or last. It's totally up to you. I would like to know at what scale Gunpla has been created. How big can this get? My question would be like, are there are there Gunpla enthusiasts who don't care about the Gundam series at all? My gut says maybe. <laughs> I'm hoping that Zeal dive in, but if he doesn't, then I'm going to rapidly come <laughs> up with a question. Uh, okay, my question is going to be... No! I'm sorry. We did an episode on, on Lego a little while back, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. one thing I found really fascinating about that was apparently adult fans of Lego have this thing called forbidden techniques of Lego, where it's just like, this is not a valid way to build things. Uh, yeah. What are invalid ways? Like glue? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. But like one of the other ways was like, if you take like a brick and you have like a skinny piece, you can like fit the skinny piece between the dots okay. to oh. like build something at 90 degrees. That is an illegal uh, build method. That's a cheat. Okay. Yeah, because you're not you're not using the the interlocking system. Yeah. So whether or not this is a ridiculous question, I don't care because I'm going to ask what are the forbidden techniques of gunpla? <laughs> As an add-on to you know, it gives you a little time here. I also stumbled upon Thank it's you. a it's a big long alphanumeric link, but uh, I'll put it in the show notes. There's definitely on Lego's ideas page a proposal of Galego. <laughs> what? It's just a proposal at this point? Yeah. Okay. It has 100 points. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's better than having 99. <laughs> yep. But but they have like tons of designs for like every oh, every sprite uh, transformed into Lego. Okay. This is the oh. this is the site where like we talked about this on the Lego episode, but there was things like a Ghostbusters model mm-hmm. and this is where they they get fan support to decide if they should release it for purchase. And a number of things have gone through here and succeeded. Okay. It's almost like a like a Kickstarter for Lego ideas. Like they get people to support it, right? Mm-hmm. All right, Z. Yep. All right. I'm going to have to make this one into a statement. Oh Can't boy. Wait. These are the best. <laughs> Gunpla is the modern day ship in a bottle building. Whoa. Ah. I'm excited to see you prove or disprove that. <laughs> it's always the challenge with the statements awesome the only thing that remains is thank you very much Michael for coming on the show and uh, talking about Galaga with us thanks that was fun to everyone listening out there uh, until next time we'll talk to you next time goodbye everybody <laughs>